you very much, all those on the platform, 1 Corinthians 9, and um, before the doors got talent, you have to go it alone, so you can't have a group or your groupies, it's you and everybody watching you, so that just helps out in, in promoting, amen, so 1 Corinthians 9, open there, there's a man named Anish Giri, a Russian-born Dutch grandmaster in the game of chess. He qualified earlier this year for what they call the Candidates Tournament. What this is, is eight of the world's top chess players play in a tournament for the opportunity to play the current chess world champion. They play 14 games. Out of the 14 games, Geary drew all 14 of them, which means he tied. He never won, but he never lost. Because in chess, you get points for drawing a game. You get half a point. If you win, you get one point. If you lose, you get nothing. So he drew all 14 games, which in the game of chess draws are a strategic part of the game. If you're in a long tournament, you don't always look to win every single game. The winner of the candidates tournament won with a score of 8.5. And East Geary finished with 7 points. He was only 1.5 points off from perhaps playing for the world championship. Now the top player that went on to play for the championship, he had lost one. He drew nine games, but he won four. And while Anish Giri never lost, he also never won. and Therefore, did not advance to play for the world championship. Now, it comes down to the old saying that people play not to lose. Or it's the problem in football when a team is ahead with a Small amount of time left to play, and they go into what's called the prevent defense. Many times in that prevent defense, they lose their aggressive edge. They stop taking chances, and they end up losing. The Christian life is about winning. When I say that, I mean we're talking about winning the ultimate prize. But the Bible gives us a position that's above, not beneath. And you will continually come out on the short end of your trials and tensions of life if you're not serving God with aggression and a sense of gaining all that God has for your life, winning ultimately. Now, the devil thrives on passive Christianity. Simply those that would accept or allow, just kind of allow what life serves up or allow what others do without any active response or resistance. Too many times God's people settle for the draw instead of taking the risk and going for the win. Too many of God's people simply settle for the outcome or settle for defeat or settle for weariness as Pastor Stevens preached or Settle for the mind battle. Settle for the harassment of the devil. And just instead of pressing on to win, you just learn to live with it. So I want to preach about going for the win tonight. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 through 27. 
Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. In other words, win. Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight not as one who beats at the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, unless when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Going for the win. I want to first consider the call to contend. In our text, the setting and the language used is of a competitive arena. So Paul draws us into the setting of this race with the goal of winning. This is the whole thing he's presenting here. And he also presents to us the idea of the daily training regimen involved in being able to compete at the level that would cause you to win. And he goes into this and he says, look, if you're not willing to put in the work necessary and the effort, you'll have no chance. And so he's laying this understanding and he speaks of the necessity of discipline and denying himself of the things that would keep him from that lifestyle of discipline. Now, this same idea is captured by the writer of Hebrews, and Pastor Stevens used the last part of this scripture this morning. But in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so a great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily ensnare us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, unless you become weary and discouraged in your soul. So so he's again presenting the idea of this race. Here's a competitive environment, a competitive event. And he adds to this also the hostility that is associated with the Christian life. And so what this requires is a level of contending if a person is going to overcome, if a person is going to win or endure. It's going to require a level of contending. And so this is furthered when we read a few scriptures, one in Matthew 11, 12, and from the days of John the Baptist, Until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. The NIV describes it a little clearer. It says, from the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men have laid hold of it. It's a picture of people uh, that are pressing the issues of the kingdom. They're contending. They're not passively resigning and just watching. uh, But there's this cutting edge that's apart and associated with them. And in Luke 16, 16, the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. And so he's giving us the picture of this contending lifestyle, pressing in for everything and and laying it all on the line. And the NIV says everyone is forcing their way into it. 
And what all of this spells out for us is that to live the Christian life requires a certain level of aggression and a certain level of contending. Contending is the idea of competing or opposing an enemy. It deals with being engaged in battle versus just being a spectator. That's the idea of contending. That this is what is required, not just of those that are one day going to get sent out. This is the Christian call. If you are born again, this is your call tonight. See, contending acts as an edge sharpener. I have a set of utensils for, I inherited them from my grandmother. And they're for carving the turkey along with these utensils comes a piece called a sharpening steel. And these knives are specific to where you can resharpen them time and time again. And you take this sharpening steel and you make sure that that knife is always as sharp as you can get it. You keep it with a good edge on it. This is the idea of contending. When an athlete has been injured in a competitive sport, they have to stay out of the competition. But if their injury is not bad enough, they can still do certain cardio training and, and keep a certain... Uh, part of their you know, body fit, they can still work out, but they can't get back into game shape, what they call game shape. So if you're a, a football player, let's say, and you've been out four or five games, uh, and, and the injury allowed you still to do some cardio and some weightlifting, uh, when you get back on the field, you're still going to feel it. You're not in game shape. It's going to take you a game or two to get back in game shape. How many know we need to be staying in game shape spiritually? That, that's the call here. This is the competitive arena that Paul is placing before us. That means active prayer, active evangelism, active ministry involvement, actively working with people. That's, that's what keeps you in game shape. And when you think of contending, it is a Christian theme. You know, the mega ministries of today in large part, have developed ministries that are simply producing spectators. They're not interested in, in challenging it. Anything else you spectate, you're fine. We'll pay everyone else to entertain you. And they're good. that's not the kingdom of God. The Bible's call is one that calls us into the thick of the battle, into an active lifestyle, aggressively pursuing Christ and His purposes. This is, this is the essence of Christian living. That's what we learned from the day that we got saved. And, you know, uh, I got saved with a number of other young men. We were all 18, 19 years old. Uh, uh, several of us were in the military. So, so all we knew, we, just, we were fresh out of boot camp. And so all, all we know is this challenge. That's what we want. And when that came to us, we, we thrived on it. We wanted to be right in the middle of it all. And that's how we've lived our lives ever since. In the middle of the contending lifestyle of the kingdom. And if you're going to play to win, you're going to have to limit the amount of leisure time you allow yourself in life. Because remember, he's creating an arena and an idea for us of this athlete that's training intensively uh, it's a high level of training uh, so that they may win. And ultimately, he says, what we're, what we're going for is to make it all the way in the end. And they, they have to temper 
what they allow themselves to have. When you see the outstanding players in a particular sport, you're not looking at somebody that's always out just carousing around, just leisuring around. They're, they're in their place practicing and getting themselves in shape and getting better all the time. Paul says in our text, to live the Christian lifestyle to its highest effectiveness requires a high level of discipline, saying no to the flesh. Doing the things for God that you don't feel like doing. Being involved even though you're busy in life. Maintaining a dedicated spiritual life and minimalizing leisure and idle time. problem is we have it all backwards. We must be offering plenty of resistance to the devil and his schemes. Let me ask you, how much resistance does your life offer to the devil? See, Paul speaks in the text the possibility of becoming disqualified. That, that ought to scare you. You know, anybody that's been around for numbers of years, you've, you've disheartingly seen too many come and go. I mean, I remember getting saved and the, and the guys that I had my eyes on in my mind, we're just spiritual giants of the faith. And thank God that many of them are still here, but many of them aren't. Became disqualified. Remember, the setting is a race where there's a prize to be gained. In this year's Olympics, there was a highly rated French sprinter was disqualified after he left the runner's block before the gun, they have a new rule in the Olympics. It used to be you had two chances. Now, if you leave the runner's block, that little block they have on before the gun, you're disqualified. Four years of training down the tubes. Think about that. He was disqualified. All the training down the tubes for not being the most disciplined in the heat of the moment. When you needed it the most, when, it, when all life is crushing in, the devil's pressing in, uh, and, and, and you didn't have the discipline necessary. See, if you don't maintain a disciplined life for Christ, you're in danger of removing yourself from contention. And ultimately, the greatest danger, if we're not careful, is missing out on the eternal prize. Now, let me then secondly talk about fighting with uncertainty. Now, Paul brings the opposite thought to the table in this text in verse 26. Therefore, I run thus not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one that beats the air. The NIV says, therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating at the air. So Paul's approach to living for God has an aim. Every life should have an aim for Christ. It has a specific purpose. He knows what he's trying to accomplish. He knows what God has called them to do, and he is actively pursuing that. He may have his stumblings along the way. His flesh can get in the way at times, but he still, as a competitive athlete, it will not be denied and, and gets right back in there, right back in the battle, right back in the fight. He says, and I run like a man... That's got an aim. When I start throwing blows, he says, I'm not just swinging at the air. I'm swinging at something and I'm going to hit it. You must have been a fighter before you got saved. 
<laughs> the problem is when the opposite is true of your walk with God and your approach to his purpose. But how many know the devil will do everything he can to push us off the mark? He's active in this arena. To cause us to miss the mark as often as possible until our lives are no longer aimed at anything in particular. You know, of all churches to you, something you do a couple times a week, you're missing the mark. This is simply the equipping so that we can now press into all that God has for us. Be contending for that. You know, I get it so amazed and, you know, majority here were probably some sort of a partier before you got saved, I would imagine. You know, we didn't. Well, you know, if I go out and party, I probably won't be able to get up in the morning. Or if I go out and party, or or it's the weekend, you know, we just did it, right? We lived our lives to party. And right in the midst of it, we we gave ourselves and we, we had an aim. It was a stupid aim, but we had an aim. Just to get saved and become these sideliners that just can't seem to give ourselves too much of anything. Because it's the devil pushing you off the mark. Relegating us to an existence that's just responding to how things turn out in life. Always saying, I'm going to get on track, but never do. I'm going to get back involved, but don't. See, a passive approach to living for God will leave us pretty much anywhere. I can't guarantee, you know, it was one man that said that I would rather aim high and miss than lame aim low and hit too many are just aiming oh i hit it yeah well you didn't aim for much as you get older as we all are by the way as you get older one of the things that is recommended is light resistance training some sort of physical training that will keep your muscles and bones from rapid deterioration. And gravity really setting in pretty bad. Now here's a good piece of spiritual advice. Especially as you get older in the things of God and tend to disconnect easier from what God is doing. You need to keep up areas that, that are producing resistance in your life in other words you're you're in a an arena where it causes you you know every time it gets too much for us and we don't want to have to discipline to that level we just back out well that's to your to your dismay because something begins to deteriorate you need to keep your life positioned in a place that is offering resistance to your flesh Resistance to the devil and avoiding a passive approach to living for God. Too many of God's people are fighting with uncertainty. Not really focused. Not keeping your spiritual life at a level that offers powerful resistance to hell's forces. Not engaged in the battle simply on the sidelines. Leisurely, casually going about the business of Living for God. But that's not the arena the Bible presents to us. You have made your own arena aside from what God has made. Because that's not the one that God has made. I know you don't like to hear it so matter-of-factly, but it's true. 
And we need to be careful that we are not just settling just for the sake of maintaining our position. In the early 20th century, the challenge of Darwinism and biblical criticism threw evangelicals' faith into a crisis. You know, up to that point, by large, the Bible and the preacher and the pulpit had tremendous sway. It was the, the main flow, especially in America, the main flow that dictated the ideologies of people. So all of a sudden, Darwinism and this biblical criticism comes in and this turn of, of secularism that begins to come upon society. And it threw evangelicals' faith into crisis. And so the American evangelicals responded by retreating into what has been phrased the intellectual cul-de-sac of fundamentalism. Therefore, losing the battle with what are still the modernists for control of the major Protestant church. Now, let me explain that. Instead of going the extra mile to define the battle of ideas and engage the battle of ideas, they simply doubled down on the tenets of Christianity. This is what the Bible says. This is what's true. And that's all good. That's what we need to be doing. But they figured that in and of itself. No real aggression at all. Just we're sticking to what we do. And they just figured that Darwinism would just kind of fade off as a fad. Well, it didn't, did it? The big mistake of that generation was they didn't engage the battle. And this lack of extreme outspoken resistance opened the door for the modernists to to place the Bible and its teachings as subservient to Darwinism. Now, we know it could never be made subservient to that. We understand that. But this is the position, unfortunately, that many are fighting from, uh, that now we've got this uphill battle on our hands to, to somehow convince a whole generation that that's a bunch of junk that you're believing. Simply because they took the passive approach and fought with uncertainty. We're still paying a high price today. In our text, Paul's drawing out the fact that we must be engaged heavily, pressing in, not just holding our ground, but making inroads. How many of those are a big difference? If all we're doing is maintaining our position, we're not doing what God's called us to do. You may be right, you may be on your way to heaven. But there are bigger issues here. We're called to be making inroads. Forging the way with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what pioneering is. And Paul uses several words that describe what is involved in the Christian life. Run. Compete. Fight and discipline. These are all words that require focus and purposed direction in life, require aggression and engaging approach to the Christian life. So let me talk about then going for the win. Because in our text, verse 24, he says, run in such a way that you may obtain it. He had just talked about only one wins the prize. So run in a way that you may obtain that you will be the one that wins the prize. Run like as if there's only one prize. There's thousands of people. Only one's going to get the prize. He says, that's the way you need to live for God. 
Far too often, God's people settle for less than coming out on top. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 28, 13, And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath, if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. You know, too often God's people are settling for being the tail or being beneath rather than being above. Well, you're settling for far less and you're certainly not going for the win if that's your goal in life, if you're okay with that. In World War I, the Germans had this impenetrable hedge and, and the Allied forces just could not overcome. This, this thing was so reinforced. But if they did not penetrate this hedge, they could not win that battle. And this was such a strategic area, perhaps even the war. By 1918, which was four years into the war, okay, they've been at this four years now, the Allied forces continued to press in and now... They had greater sophistication. They had greater skill. The German forces were wearing down through time. And they were finally able to penetrate and overcome, which accelerated the end of that war. Because they would not be denied. They did not stop pressing and fighting until they got the victory, until they won. And that needs to be the mindset of every single Christian that we're up against. At sometimes it, it seems to be an impenetrable hedge. That the devil has erected. It can seem that way. It really does. But we're not going to be denied. And we're certainly not going to settle for being beneath. If God made us the head. Why are we going to be the tail? Now Paul mentions two things. That need to be at work in every Christian's life. Two things in this text. That are critical to this whole idea. Of going for the win. The first of those is. This idea of being temperate in all things. That is exercising self-restraint in all things. Now, far too many of God's people have little to no self-restraint. Do not deny themselves, but rather indulge and gratify at every turn and corner. Bowing to their flesh giving in to the temptations of leisure and idleness to degrees that are unhealthy. Remember the picture Paul's drawing. It's of an athlete. This athlete is in intense training, okay? Let's just put it at one of the higher levels, and that's the Olympic athlete. This intense training for four years, the regiment that they have to subject themselves to. I was thinking this year when Michael Phelps came back. He's in his 30s now, which is very old for a swimmer. And the previous Olympics, he admitted he came in. He really didn't take it serious. He really didn't give himself. He says he made up his mind that this is his final Olympics and I'm going to train like I used to train when I was young. And he did. And he won numbers of gold. He blew people away at how, what he was able to do at his age. But he had to exercise self-restraint again. We know his story. He began to get into dope smoking and other stupidity. Uh, uh, and so he was losing the edge as an athlete uh, and in his training. And he, he made up his mind. That's it. 
I'm going to begin to restrain myself again. And this is the picture Paul is drawing. This athlete in intense training in order to win this competition. And they abstained. They had to show restraint from all the things that would threaten their ability to train at a high level and compete at a high level. Those of you that have done wrestling, you know what I'm saying. You'd wear some dumb monkey suit uh, and run in a hot room and, and almost kill yourself with dehydration just to lose a couple pounds so you could make weight. But you did it because you were focused. That's the focus we need for God. This is the temperate approach, the self-restraint that is necessary. And as I requote Hebrews 12:1, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily ensnare us and run with endurance the race that is set before us. That means anything that hinders you. Anything that's weighing you down, keeping you from competing in the Christian life. Outside of, obviously, the normal flow of what you have to do to survive in life. I'm not talking about quit your job and live under a bridge. But competing at a high level has to be tempered in your life. Certain things have to be denied access. And anything that's going to divert you perhaps even denied as a viable pursuit in life. Whatever may be stimulating your flesh or keeping your past alive or hindering you from maintaining forward momentum, you're going to have to exercise restraint, that you be temperate in all things. That is one of the requirements of going for the win. The second one is to discipline your body. Now, no doubt, the most obvious thing Paul's speaking about is his flesh. I discipline my flesh so that it does not get in the way and it doesn't keep me from my spiritual disciplines on a daily basis. Some of you are years into your Christianity. You still can't get up to pray in the morning. Or you have a choice and you can come to the main prayer meeting, but you also have a job that allows you to sleep in a little so you'll come to the later prayer meeting. Talking to disciples now. You ladies work that out on your own life. I'm talking to disciples. Just throw it at me. Where's my only quiet time? The kids don't get out tonight. Oh, shh. Calmate, man. It's not. (laughs) The spiritual discipline is the key to godliness and becoming Christ-like in how we think, in how we speak, in how we treat people, how we respond to the circumstances of life, how we deal with offense. Spiritual discipline is a key to godliness in these critical areas. If you want to win in these critical areas of your life, It will take discipline in spiritual things, beginning with saying no to your flesh. V. Raymond Edmonds says, Ours is an undisciplined age. The old disciplines are breaking down. Above all, the discipline of divine grace is derided as legalism or is entirely unknown to a generation that is largely illiterate in the Scriptures. 
We need the rugged strength of Christian character that can come only from discipline. Paul says that I bring my body into subjection. In other words, I make myself do the things I really don't want to do, spiritually speaking. And we all have to fight that. Listen, we're all encompassed in the same body of flesh. If you think that anybody in this building gets up every single day just so on fire for God, just can't wait to get in the prayer place, that's not true. That always want to be doing everything we do for God, it's not true. Sometimes we have to force ourselves in certain seasons to do what you really don't want to do. And by doing this, a discipline is then established and it becomes more natural to live a disciplined life and and then a, a true hunger really does develop in your spirit for things like prayer and Bible reading and daily evangelism. I finish with this, this quote or little paragraph. Discipline is one of those things that sounds great on paper. The idea of making progress, especially in the area of your relationship with God, is highly motivating. The trouble is, discipline is difficult. It involves struggle. It never seems to fit naturally into any schedule. We often find ourselves thinking, when life settles down a bit, I'll... Fill in the blank. But we should have learned by now that life never settles down. Whatever we want to accomplish, we must do with life unsettled. In the same way, if we are ever going to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, we've got to do it when life is like it is now. That's why it's called discipline. It's not easy, I know. That's the one thing I I look at my wife over the years, you know. We had children very early in our marriage. We went into the ministry the first year of our marriage. So our lives have been lived under the gun for all these years now. Children come into the picture. They've got school. They've got lessons. They've got projects. But you know what was amazing? It didn't matter what. and She she figured it out. Sometimes she had to get up a little earlier. Usually her prayer time is 7 o'clock. Sometimes the kids wouldn't allow that. It was... A little earlier, somehow she worked it out. But you'll still, to this day, if you walk into my house at a particular time in the morning, she will be in there with her Bible open, in prayer, in Bible reading, every single morning. And she spends an hour plus every single morning doing that. With all the difficulties of life. And so... I understand I'm not trying to put this yoke on you, but listen, it can be done if you decide you're going to discipline yourself. And it has to be done if you're going to win. If you're going to win, you're going to have to live a life spiritually disciplined from now until Jesus comes back. You'll have your trip-ups along the way. You'll have your hiccups along the way. But right back you go. That's what Paul's talking about. I bring my body into subjection. There's going to be some times you're not going to want to do it. Everything in you says, I'm not doing it. And you say, listen here, you rebel. Get yourself out of bed. Kick yourself. You're going to prayer. (laughs) About the picture. I bring my body into subjection. If you want to win, this is 
a necessity. You can go for the tithe, but it's not winning. At some point, Anish Giri had to win at least three games. He would have had to step out of the normal flow of the game because you can tell when a game is going towards a draw. You can actually force a game into a draw. He would have had to step out and risk losing in order to win, and he didn't do it. Fell short. So are we going to go for the win, or are we just going to maintain? Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We open our hearts tonight. Listen, before I preach this, I had to think it over a lot in my own life. We're all flesh and blood. We all have to deal with this in our own lives. None of us are these amazing spiritual superheroes that just live on this awesome scale of spirituality. Every single one of us has to struggle through with this stuff. I've had my times of failure here. But I try to make the wins better than the losses. It's not always easy. But it's a decision to make tonight. That's what this altar is going to be about. But before I go any further, you're here. You're not right with God. Maybe a portion of what I preach doesn't even make sense to you because this is for the Christian. It makes sense to you if you look at it maybe in perspective of if you like to work out or you're some sort of physical activity or you're into sports or you've ever been, you understand the arena of contending. The first thing you have to do if you're not right with God, you're going to have to contend past every lie of hell, everything you've ever been taught about God that never brought you to Him. You're going to have to break through to Jesus tonight. and He is waiting for you. God did not make getting right with Him hard. What makes it hard is us process is very simple but it's us so many things in our life and I always ask people when I'm witnessing to them in the streets and they're deflecting everything and I said let me ask you one question what is it in your life you're not willing to give up for God it's amazing the conversation that you get out of that so I ask you tonight what is it in your life you're not willing to give up for God you're willing to go to hell for that really trust me it's not worth it God is waiting on you tonight. This is your moment. All of heaven stands still waiting. Are they going to decide to break through tonight? Are they going to contend to know me tonight? Or are they just going to keep on going with life and hope that somehow it changes somewhere along the way? You're here and you're ready to surrender to Jesus Christ. Just give your life over to Christ. It's a simple prayer of faith recognizing that you're a sinner, and I think we can all hopefully be honest, we're sinners before God. But how we go about fixing that is the issue. There's only one way to fix it. It's through Jesus Christ. That's why He had to die on the cross. And now all the preparations are made. All you have to do is come on the terms, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. And God will meet with you tonight. You'll be changed. You're ready for that. I want to ask you to do something. If you're ready for that, I want to pray with you. I want to help you tonight. But I want you just to be honest. Say, you know what? That's where I'm living my life. I want to get right tonight. I want to pray. And if that's you, I want you to lift your hand up so I can see it all across this place. God's dealing with you right now. You're not right with God, but you're ready to get right. 
Your life is pinging all over the place. You think you're in control and then another curveball and another crazy relationship and more anger and more bitterness and more addictions. You're not in control. You'll give your life to Christ tonight. Really, truly give your life to Christ. Surrender control to Jesus. Best thing you could ever do. Best thing I ever did. The change, the amazing change. If you're ready for that tonight, you'd let me pray with you. You'd lift your hand up. Just put it up so I can see it very quickly. You know what? I'm not right, but I really do want to get right. Would you pray with me? Would you help me tonight? Lift your hand up all across this place. God is dealing with you. You're ready to come to Jesus Christ on the terms that God laid down. He did everything. He's made all the way. Now it's up to you. You just have to make a decision tonight. And that decision is eternal. It'll change your standing in eternity where you go when you die. That's how powerful what I'm talking about is. You're ready for Christ tonight. Lift your hand. I want to pray with you. Who would that be? Anybody across this place? Would you lead me in a prayer? Would you help me tonight? Maybe you're backslidden. You're ready to come back to Christ. You need that. You know it. It's a torment to live life knowing the truth and not living it. But you're ready to surrender to God tonight. Lift your hand up. Who would that be? All across this place, God's dealing with you. God's dealing with you very quickly before we change the order of this service. You're ready to give your life to Jesus Christ. Okay, listen. Christians, are you going for the win? The devil loves passive Christianity. Offering little to no resistance. How long are you going to let him ravage your home like that? How long? How long are you going to let him just bombard you at any time he wants to with those old temptations you keep falling again and again? How long? How long are you going to keep saying, I'm going to get up this time. I'm setting 20 alarms. They all go off and there you are snoring away. It's time to make a decision tonight about discipline. It's time to become a contender again. To begin to live for God like as if you're an athlete training at a high level. Because that is what's presented to us as Christianity. Beginning with your own spiritual life and your own relationship with Christ. Pressing in, forcefully laying a hold of. Denying the devil and the flesh access. Requires an aggressiveness. Requires a sharpening of your edge where you've allowed leisure and you've allowed the pursuits of things and stuff to dull you. You're going to have to start showing some restraint in your life. Some restraint in your life. Saying no to your flesh. Running like you're running a race that a lot is on the line. God is dealing with you tonight. Inspiring you. This altar is a place to make a fresh consecration to God. I want you to stand to your feet. I'm inviting you to come. Make a place at this altar. Talk to God. Don't be afraid to make commitments again. Oh, every time I make a commitment, I fail. And no, let's do it again. Let's do it again. We got to go for the win. 
You know, we get in such a rut in life. It's hard to break out. I know I've been there. It's hard to break out. It really is. You got to change your mind tonight. Something has to shift in your spirit, in your mind, in your attitude, in your heart. Something has to shift at this altar tonight. That's it. I'm not talking about going out ranting and raving and I'm kicking the devil's behind. No, I'm talking about just do what a disciplined athlete would do, but do it spiritually. Do it spiritually. It begins with things like morning prayer. Time reading the Bible. And as you go through your day, that you don't let your mind get away from you. As you go through the day looking for opportunities to be a witness and a testimony for Christ. Determining what is it God has for me and doing it. No more sidelines. No more making excuses. No more getting attitudes and quitting. I'm going to do this because I am as an athlete competing for the prize. And I don't want to become disqualified. Whatever that is. I'm not here to define that for you. You got to go for the win. You got to stop settling. You must penetrate that hedge. You must get past that point that every time you get to, you unravel again and go right back to where you were. It's time to get beyond that point. Are you going to go for the win tonight? Are you going to live like someone that's in a competitive race? Discipline yourself. Stop with the head games. Stop with the attitudes. Stop with the self-pity. Stop with the excuses. Stop with blaming people. And get in the race and start contending. There was a guy, he was about 600 plus pounds. It was a horrible situation. He could hardly get himself dressed anymore. He couldn't even hardly lift his leg enough and bend down. And one day he's trying to get his pants on. He loses his balance. He falls to the floor. He's just so disgusted with himself. He's so embarrassed at himself. But something clicked in him in that moment. He said, that is it. I am finished with this lifestyle. He got down in that position. He was laying in, did as many crunches as he could do. He got up. He walked as briskly as he could around the house until he was exhausted. And that began a regimen, a daily regimen for the next two years. An intense daily regimen that added more crunches, then push-ups, uh, then from walking to running. And two years later, he was down to 225 pounds. Uh, and today, he is a trainer. That's what needs to happen for some of you. That's it. I'm finished with this current lifestyle. I'm getting in contention, and my life's going to hit the mark. I'm not going to be my biggest enemy. The devil's not going to stop me. I'm not going to let anything else get in my way. I'm contending. I'm going to become an aggressive Christian.
that's pressing in to all that God has for my life. I'll tell you what, this could be a revolutionary altar call for you if you'll do that. Lord, you help us tonight. God, visit us afresh and new. Thank you, Lord and Savior, wonderful King. Yaramandi bisi bianando roshi biarabakore Yaramandi bisi yalalalalamandi kio roshi biaramandi Oh tell you God is working tonight God is working You have to follow through when you leave this altar You have to follow through tomorrow morning when it's prayer time You have to follow through with things that you're going to have to begin to temper in your life your life is so much about you and protecting your leisure and protecting your idle time that you've gone so far in the other direction. And you come back, get in contention again. There are certain things you refuse to get involved in just because it'll infringe upon your leisure time. Are you going to be the athlete contending or not? Because that's what Paul presents to us. I'm going to have you stand to your feet wherever you're at with your heads bowed. I bring my body into subjection. It's not an easy process. And it's one that he said, I must die daily. Listen, as, as much as this may be helping some people tonight, you're going to have to wake up tomorrow and live this out. You know as well as I do, for some of you, that's a scary prospect. It's a scary prospect. Some of you have been trying for a long time, and I I will say it carefully because I don't want to bring this as a condemnation statement. You've been trying for a long time to get back on track. But you haven't really put yourself, you've, you've tried, but not the way you're supposed to try. And That is put yourself as an athlete that is training at a high level. That is Now, what I will suggest to you, if you've gotten to a place where you literally rarely if at all pray, you've totally gotten away from Scripture, I surely wouldn't make some lofty goal, I'm going to pray an hour and a half tomorrow and read ten chapters of the Bible, because you won't do it, and then you'll get discouraged and you'll quit. But how about if you just try 15 or 20 minutes of prayer and a chapter? Just like this guy did as many crunches as he could do, which probably wasn't very many at 600-something pounds. And then he got up and probably walked halfway around the house the first time. And he started right where he was. But that determination carried over to the next day, to the next day, to the next day. His blood starts flowing. Oxygen, fresh oxygen. Uh, he's shedding a few pounds. Uh, all of a sudden, 10 pounds are off. He starts changing his eating habits. Things are happening. Now he's getting encouraged. Same thing can happen for you. Unless you keep on falling again and again and again. And you live underneath instead of above as God said you should. You live as the tail instead of the head. God said it's time to be the head. Lift your hands with me. Pray this prayer, O God in heaven. I'm not able in myself, but I'm willing. God, I come to you tonight.
I go on record before you that I'm making a fresh consecration of discipline, of determination. I am resetting my course toward the mark of God in my life. Lord, I'm going to seek you early. I'm going to search your scriptures. God, I'm going to look for the opportunities to be a witness, to be a testimony. God, today, I'm asking you that you will encompass me. As I step out, I need your help. Enable me today. I want to be the head and not the tail. I want to come out above and not beneath. I will subject my life to your lordship. Peeling back flesh every single day. Till I gain dominion. God, I'm asking you to seal this in my heart. Beginning first thing in the morning. I'm going to start this new life. This new dedication. And you're going to help me. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Let's begin to worship God. Father, we thank you today. Lord, we honor you and praise you and bless your name. Yo robo corrobo correbe sibiaramande. Thank you, Lord and Savior. Handiyarama sibie. He kondo robo sibiyarama koroshe. Thank you, Lord and Savior. God, we worship you. Lord, we honor you. We praise and bless your name. I corre bebe kio robo so robo corre. Amen. Now, if you got upset about this tonight, you need to stop and ask yourself why. Typically, if I get upset at a sermon, it's because it's something that I'm really not willing to do. But the Spirit of God's pressing me on it. It doesn't do us any good to get upset. Amen. Just say, you know what, God? What are you saying to me? Just do it. See what God will do. I'm telling you, if you'll, if you'll take this step, and some of you are already on track, stay on track. You know, but I've found over the many years of serving God that there's always a deeper level of consecration God's looking for. You say, how is it possible? I don't know, but it is. You know, if God threw us... If God threw it all on us at once, we couldn't handle it. It's too much. He incrementally, so we feel, man, we've on top. We've been doing good. And then God throws the next one in there. Oh, oh, oh. Some of you haven't made incremental steps in a long time. You just maintained. You're kind of like the guy with one talent. You didn't do anything necessarily bad with it or wrong. You just didn't do anything with it at all. So let's really let God use this to be a catalyst help us to go for the win.